listening to the Legitimate Podcast, hosted by Mike and Rochelle Poulton, helping you get ahead and stay ahead in law, business, and life every Friday at 10 a.m. Welcome to the Legitimate Podcast. We are your hosts, Mike and Rochelle Bolton. We're here to discuss the business of business. Today's episode is tips for developing a business in 2021. This is to help you get ahead and stay ahead in law, business, and life. Today's show is brought to you by Poulton and Roy and PLLC. That's our law firm, a Phoenix law firm, helping local business owners uh, get ahead and stay ahead in law, business, and life. It's what we do. So you can find us online at www.pnlaw.pro or give us a call at 602-427-5613 to see what we can do to help you out with your business. But today we're going to talk about just a few tips that are specific to today's unusual uh, market conditions for small business owners and new entrepreneurs. Things are different today than they were a year ago and very different than they were two years ago. We just did a great show with a couple guests talking about their tips and tricks and uh, just wanted to give a little bit more of an update with a few things that we've noticed in our practice. Go for it, Rochelle. Yeah, so I think the first thing is that we've noticed in general is that there's been the rise of the solopreneur. Lots of people during the pandemic have decided to go into business for themselves. And whether that is a side hustle in addition to a full-time job or abandoning their employment altogether to start their own business. And that means that there's more competition these days, a lot of it. So if you're one of those people that have just decided in the last year that maybe you want to go ahead and start your own business, this podcast episode is for you. <laughs> it's an interesting trend that really started several years ago, maybe upwards of a decade ago. There were a lot of MLMs that really started to break out maybe uh, five to 10 years ago. And as the MLMs have faded a little bit, there's been a rise in people doing their own thing. A lot of business coaches, a lot of uh, independent uh, business assistants, uh, marketing people, website people, lots of, uh, lots of solopreneurs who perhaps would have been working in a small company with half a dozen or a dozen people before are now doing it themselves as independent contractors. And that's great. Uh, I think it works out a lot better for a lot of those people, and they're very happy with their decisions. However, over the course of the last year, there has been such an incredible rise in this trend that many of the most popular fields have become quite crowded, very saturated, very crowded, uh, because there is only so much work to go around for those types of fields. And as a result, um, it can become quite difficult to acquire clients. Yes. Distinguish yourself. It's really hard when you're breaking into a business for the first time to think of yourself as a business owner. So even if it is something that you're only doing part time, it is still a business. So it's important to know what your competition is. And if you had a great idea uh, about how to service in a certain demographic or a certain market, especially if it was pre-pandemic, it is really important to understand what the current market conditions are. That's for sure. You want to avoid creating an expensive hobby for yourself in lieu of a job. Uh, one of the big differences between being a solopreneur versus being uh, an employee in a small company is that as an employee in a small company, you're not taking the risk of whether your work is profitable or not. Obviously, if you're not profitable to the business, you will eventually lose your job because they can't keep paying you to do things that don't make them money. 
But in the short term, at least, you keep getting a paycheck, even if your employer is losing money on it. Uh, as a solopreneur going out on your own, you're not going to make money right at the beginning. Um, you might be profitable in a month. You might not be profitable for six months or even a year, depending on what field you're in and exactly what the details are. Uh, but at some point, you've got to become profitable and you've got to have a clear path to get there and metrics along the way that will help you understand whether or not you're really set up to succeed adequately uh, to be able to pay yourself enough money that you make a good living on top of your expenses, or whether you are flushing money down the Google AdWords campaign drain, uh, flushing money down the internet services, um, social media management drain, uh, all of the various drains that your money will be flowing out of very quickly as you're setting up your new business, um, you've got to have some clear goals, clear metrics, and good rules of thumb in play to determine whether or not those expenditures are reasonable and that you will be able to develop the revenue necessary to pay for them on an ongoing basis while still paying yourself. It's really, really easy to fall into this trap as a new business owner. It's one of the reasons why 95% of all businesses fail. And that's because they don't know that they're losing money. So yeah. if you don't have a system for keeping track of what you're spending your money on, like if you're going to a bunch of networking events, paying networking dues, you know, buying new products, paying for a website developer, paying for this, paying for that. If you're not tracking that and comparing that to what your revenue is, you may have a very expensive hobby. One, one uh, perspective issue that can often trap new entrepreneurs in this type of situation is the idea that because other people are paying a certain amount for something in your line of work, that that's what it's worth to you. And advertising is a great example of this. In fact, advertising might be the quintessential example of this because it is very difficult, even with excellent uh, modern metrics for the most standard types of internet advertising, it is still very difficult to directly calculate a return on investment for advertising expenses. And certainly when it comes to things like uh, print ads and billboard campaigns, um, anyone who says that they have solid metrics on ROI for that uh, is blowing smoke. There's just no way to determine it with any accuracy. Um, it's all pretty vague. And the advertising industry relies on that vagueness to justify their prices. Sometimes it can be totally worth it. But at other times, just because most of your competitors are paying a huge amount for standard AdWords campaigns and bidding on the most obvious keywords for your whatever your business is, they may be overpaying dramatically. They may be paying five or 10 times what those keywords are really worth. So always get back to your core metrics and see whether or not it makes sense for you to be paying for clicks and eyeballs on your website and paying for uh, social media uh, placement and things like that. Because very often the people who are bidding and paying the most for those things are losing money on it. Just because it's it, just because someone else is willing to spend that doesn't mean that you should be willing to spend that. It's really, really important to just track your your income, track your expenses, and it's the scary part of being the business owner, right? Like you got into business, you aren't an accountant, you don't do math, you don't like math. Well, you got to learn to love the numbers because that is the only scoreboard that matters in business. Is are you making money? So before you decide to continue with whatever your side hustle is or your business is, just take a minute, 
jot some numbers down. See, you know, are you making money or are you losing money? And then think, what can you do to make more money? You know, what, where are your, where are your priorities? Is the issue that you're not working enough? Is the issue that you need to maybe outsource some of these things so you can do more income generating activity? I mean, there's lots of things that you can do as a business to survive, but you have to know where the problems are in order to fix them. Indeed. Now, you may be thinking, I have a great opportunity to start this new uh, solo entrepreneurship venture that is perfect right now because of the post-pandemic conditions, because of whatever change in your line of business, whatever change in your industry has occurred over the course of the last year and a half, sets you up just right to take advantage of it. Well, that may, may well be true, and perhaps you should do it. However, you've got to consider that if it seems like the obvious move, lots of other people are also doing that move. And it very well may be that this great opportunity that you see to take advantage of mm, more people doing virtual events, uh, more people being decentralized, uh, better adoption of uh, video conferencing, things like that, whatever it is, um, or something health-related, something related to personal protective equipment. Who knows what? There are all kinds of things that you may see as an opportunity as a result of the pandemic. Consider, you are not the only person who sees that opportunity. And just because you have new competition doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. But it might mean that you shouldn't do it. It might mean that this great opportunity is already oversaturated from the very start. There are plenty of examples of that. Uh, plenty of pandemic-related or pandemic-accelerated business opportunities, which seem like they should be great, but because everyone decided to do it at once and there are very few barriers to entry, it's an easy thing for people to jump into. It never had great profitability during or after the pandemic because of all of this easy competition. So consider that very carefully and make sure that you know whether it really is a good pandemic-related opportunity for a business versus being a pandemic-related trap because of all of the competition flooding into that specific field. Great points. Um, let's see. Other things to consider. In-person business still matters. You know, over yes. the, yeah, absolutely. Over the course of the last year, we all had to go virtual in almost every line of business, um, ex except a small handful. And Initially, that was tough. Then everyone started to adapt to it. Then it became normal. And then as we came out of the pandemic and people started to get vaccinated, you get this situation where a lot of people don't want to go back to doing things in person. And many businesses have uh, even permanently closed their large offices and are divesting real estate. That's cool. That's probably an excellent change to have on the large scale. Not everyone needs to be doing everything in person. But at the same time, you've got to keep in mind that there really are decreases in efficiency associated with a lot of virtual work. Not all of it, not every time, but in many circumstances, there are real detriments. Uh, and those are measurable. Those are observable. Not everyone wants to do everything remotely. And certainly in customer-facing situations, regardless of what field you're in, there are going to be large segments of your customer base that will resent being forced to do things virtually that they would prefer to do in person. And if you don't offer the option of doing in-person interactions these days for a lot of those things, those aren't going to be your customers. They're going to be somebody else's customers. 
So it's really, really important that, you know, you keep in mind that there are a lot of different opinions when it comes to whether or not someone wants to meet you in person. You can't just assume that everyone wants to meet in person, just like you can't assume that everyone wants to meet virtually. You need to have both options, especially if you're in a service business. If you're an attorney, you need to have virtual consultations, but you also need to offer them in person. And it seems inconvenient, you know, maybe because you've gotten really used to working from home, but you still need a professional space because sometimes some clients want to meet the professional that they're paying thousands of dollars to in person. So uh, you need to be able to accommodate both. And the whole mask thing, if, you know, if you have an office and you have a mask policy or you don't have a mask policy, it's your business. You can do whatever you want, whatever, you know, your comfort level is. But you also need to be aware that some people feel more comfortable if, you know, everyone's wearing a mask and, you know, it's your business. You get to pick but you do have to make those decisions. And the sooner you make them and the sooner you have policies in place, the easier it is for your staff to know what the expectation is and your clients to know what the expectation is. And from a business perspective, it pays to be flexible. This entire situation has become highly politicized on both sides. The question of whether to wear a mask, not wear a mask, require masks, not require masks, uh, talk about being vaccinated or unvaccinated or not discuss it. All of that has become highly partisan and is a charged issue. Keep in mind, the point of a business is to make money and serve clients. And you can and should serve clients who have political opinions that you disagree with personally. Um, Their money is green and they live here and they do business here. So regardless of which side of which issues you're on, as a business person, it pays to be flexible and to carefully navigate those issues so that regardless of whether you're ideologically aligned with a potential client or whether you are ideologically opposed to a potential client, they will feel comfortable doing business with you either way and not be put off by your policies. And I assure you, there are ways to do that without jeopardizing your safety or the safety of your staff and your business. It's doable. So consider whether or not you want to take hardline positions that are going to annoy uh, potential customers and maybe cost you money at a time when business can be quite competitive. Just keep it in mind. And as we go into the flu season in the next couple of months, you know, maybe it's not a bad idea to just remain flexible. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) All right, Rochelle, do you have anything else on uh, 2021 business tips? I think that's it. Remember to keep track of your income and your expenses to make sure that you're not running an expensive hobby. (laughs) Yes. Oh, uh, one point that I wanted to bring up that I think I didn't mention. There are lots of fields of business where there are uh, books and resources that have lots of rules of thumb and approaches to determining uh, profitability, things like that, especially in real estate and in service businesses. You'll find lots of of literature where there will be approaches to calculating and projecting uh, profitability and performance for investments and business activities. If those resources were prepared before the pandemic, you should be extremely cautious about relying on them. Many of those general rules are out the window right now. They are no longer viable approaches for evaluating profitability, uh, return on investment, business performance overall. Things are very different, and they're very different now than they were six months ago, and very different than they were 12 months ago. Things have changed very rapidly and dramatically to an extent that we have not seen in most businesses 
um, at least since the 2008 crash. And even then, that didn't affect every industry the way this has. So consider carefully whether your resources are adequately up to date and whether you might be relying on something that is no longer valid before you use uh, an older resource to make critical decisions. Get current data and rely on that. And there you have it, folks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Legitimate, and we will chat with you guys next time.